I realized pretty early on that I wanted to have a career in math or science and realized later on that that or doesn't really exist. But I never had that classic aha moment, that eureka. Um, honestly, the only reason I ended up going to grad school to get a PhD in ecology was that I randomly learned that I really liked working with amphibians and reptiles in college. But even though I didn't have that eureka moment, I basically had the anti-moment. The only grade that I ever received um, in my K-12 through education that was lower than an A was in English in high school. I ended up getting a B-plus after bombing the final. The teacher, who was friends with my mom, who also worked at my school, told my mom that if I came in and talked to her, talked to the teacher, about the grade, that she'd bump it up to an A-. minus. My reply? Absolutely not. I hated that class. I hated English. I thought I hated communication. I was going to be a scientist and never have to use any of that garbage ever again. Now, the irony is not lost on me now that I'm a professional science communication trainer, a storyteller, and the co-host of multiple podcasts. Everyone has a science story, even, or maybe especially, scientists. Science affects each and every one of us. Let's talk about it. From the American Geophysical Union, I'm Shane Hanlon, and this is Sci Intel. Welcome to episode three. Today we have another interview from our annual meeting back in 2018, and our interviewer was Greg Roth. My name is Lori Glaze. I'm currently the acting director for the Planetary Science Division at NASA headquarters. So a couple of key events happened pretty early in my life when I was um, a preteen. Uh, was the time of the AD 79 um, exhibit. Uh, for the Pompeii eruption. Uh, there was a big exhibit that traveled around the world, and I'd gone to see that, and I was just fascinated with that exhibit. I thought it was super cool. Again, had no sense that that's where I wanted to go with my life, but uh, again, when I was in high school, um, I was living in Seattle, Washington, in 1980. So this would have been a, a, a couple years later, I guess. And um, at that time, Mount St. Helens erupted and Im impacted me in a, in a real way um, in that, first off, we heard the sound of the eruption, you know, you, and we heard it about 30 minutes after the blast because it took that long to travel from Mount St. Helens up to Seattle, where I lived. Um, and then we had ash falling on our house that we had to deal with, and ash falling on our cars, and scratching the cars because it's silica. It's like little pieces of glass, and so you had to be very careful in, in wiping the, the ash off of your car. Um, so that was a real experience that when I, when I got into college and started thinking, and I had the opportunity to take the, the volcanology class, that was what really drove me, just thinking, I really wanted to learn more. I wanted to know more about these incredible uh, 
geologic features. Um, I had no idea that was a, a research area at that time, but uh, when, I, when I took the class, I realized that that was uh, something I could do. How would you say that the work you do impacts people back on Earth like on a more daily basis? So I mentioned already the, the work with the asteroids, and I think that's one that absolutely is easy to understand how that can impact um, people on Earth. Hopefully um, not. Hopefully not impact us, <laughs> exactly. Pun not intended. Um, but trying to better understand uh, the whole population of those near-Earth objects, whether they be asteroids or comets, trying to understand uh, how many there are, what their orbits are, how big they are, um, how fast they're moving. Um, all of that information is incredibly important. So we do a lot of research trying to characterize and understand what that population of objects look like. Um, we're also looking at doing work, um, thinking about doing research into how one might um, do something about an asteroid that might be coming towards Earth. Uh, we actually have a mission coming up in a couple years called the Double Asteroid Redirect Test that's going to um, send a spacecraft to a double asteroid. It's a, an asteroid plus a little moonlet, and we're going to impact the spacecraft into the moonlet just to see how, it, how we can impact how fast it's moving. We don't want to necessarily move its trajectory, but if we can just speed it up or slow it down just enough, that can make it so that it either passes in front of Earth or just behind Earth even when it passes over our path. So that has a direct impact. And there's an enormous amount of interest right now in looking at resource utilization um, on the moon, on asteroids, um, potentially even in the future on Mars. A, a lot of interest. Um, from the NASA side, we're looking to try and characterize where those types of deposits, like you say, water or ice, where that kind of deposit might be understand how big it is and how distributed it is so that we can um, possibly uh, make use of that for what we want to do, as you say, for fuels um, or, or potentially other applications in the future to sustain humans. But there's a huge amount of commercial interest in that as well, commercial companies that really think that they have a place um, in going to the moon, surface of the moon, for example, and, and doing that um, ore extraction and refinement and then selling it back to NASA and others that are interested in going to the moon. And I think that's fantastic. There's a, there's a, a, a huge community of people that are interested in doing that, and we're, we're working really hard to help them make that happen um, because the more often people are going to the moon, the, the better the access is for all of us. And uh, my goal is to do science from the moon, so if there's commercial companies that want to go to the surface and mine whatever's there, I want to send some science instruments along with that and, and do some science while they're there. I've been watching a lot of realistic sci-fi lately, from things like The Expanse to the Ad Astra movie, and hearing Lori talk about nudging asteroids and returning to the moon, that's, that's cool stuff and makes me realize that someday some of that science fiction will become science fact. So thank you, Lori, for that inspiration. Thanks also to Greg Roth for conducting this interview. And if you like what we've heard, keep, uh, keep tuned and stay tuned for more episodes tucked in amongst your regular third pod episodes for at least the next few months. From this scientist in a studio to all of you out there in the world, thanks for listening to our stories.